into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Stapling the bad guys, that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Law and Order episode 2021. You did it. You made it here. Give it up for yourselves. Woo. Everybody. Everybody Woo. at home. Everybody on, on the subway or the give car. us a collective bump bum. Everybody do that. That's right. Right now. As you're watching, we'll as wait. you're listening. Great. Uh Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Pod Damn America. I am your host for the day, Alex Patak. I'm here with my deadly co-host, Anders Lee. Anders Lee here, deadly. And the always formidable Leslie Lee III. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me back, Alex. Uh, once again, happy to be damned. Always happy yeah. to be damned. A thing that I'm going to start saying <laughs> starting now. <laughs> because we have a rotation of catchphrases. And I don't think any of them have right. ever stuck. Have you guys ever covered Law and Order on your show before? Yes, yes, that was actually one of the, our earliest episodes. We kind of did a, a kind of a top-down overview of Law and Order with a few specific uh, episodes. I think one of the episodes we did was the the first kind of Black Lives Matter episode that they did. They've done several. They've actually changed their politics each time they've had to do like a, a episode and sometimes now it's like multiple episodes or even season long arcs where they're just uh, kind of dwelling in police violence against black people and all that stuff. But we covered like the first one before they got woke, really, where it was just like they were where Olivia herself even was very much on the side on the blue lives matter side but that You'd has think changed she would be dressed right yeah exactly it was realistic <laughs> it was a realistic portrayal but in the past in the intervening years they've tried to make the show more politically conscious in a way that's completely fabricated and fictional and not all representative of what uh, the police actually are do which law and order never was but i think there's there's certain points t- to be made to, to say that it's better that Olivia is a Blue Lives Matter person than than Olivia to be a Black Lives Matter police captain. That's just that that just is that's much more. I think that in the, that lie is more offensive than the, yeah. The, the Law truth. and Order admin surprise is pro Blue Lives. Could you believe it? She's not one of those high up uh, cops who is constantly taking the side against <laughs> the federal law enforcement. Well, yeah, so just to catch the listener up on what we're doing today, today we are we're talking about and digging our teeth into what, what should I call this? Uh, Spring madness uh, or the, not madness? No, there, what's the word I'm looking for? I it's feel like there is. That, it's an infamous episode, is what I'm saying. It's like a, it's like the bad sheriff in town. This is the episode. This is the famous uh, January sixth Law and Order right. episode. Because what they do is they reach into the headlines and they <laughs> challenge you, the viewer, with the latest pickings of the day. And now they're going to tackle 
the capital unrest, despite the fact that this is a sexual violence themed <laughs> show. Yeah. Yeah, they do manage to fit almost everything. Every major sensational news story ends up on SVU in one way or another. Even though the cops are specifically supposed to be dealing with crimes of yeah. sexual violence and uh, violence against children, somehow they end up like dealing with terror cases, which is this one ends up being as well. Like that happens like fairly regularly. Anything with, about the war on terror, they did episodes on. They, and even you know stuff like you know Black Lives Matter, like that doesn't necessarily tie into what an svu does but they they but they get every single racial twist on the case that they can get to shove in that right. you know that relevance they get celebrity every celebrities who gets in the news for any kind of scandal even and especially sex scandals gets a svu right they're, they, they're very freudian in that sense they sex is everywhere so they're every sexualizing every current event uh i had some trouble Face understanding it. this episode because it's very heavy as we were saying on on law and order lore uh but i should know about it because <laughs> i'm actually part of the law and order extended universe i uh was in the gamergate episode that came out oh yeah that's another yeah. thing they do in 2015, yeah. I was I had a, a key role. I was a gamer dude uh, because I had a beard. At, they just uh, that's a lie. That's stealing valor. You are I'm not, not a gamer yeah, dude. They, but I I, <laughs> I want your goddamn. I bag. looked the part. Wow, you were wearing well, gamer face. You were you went on SVU <laughs> and you well, wore gamer okay, face. So, so it's supposed to be at a convention, right, for video games. And the way I uh, convinced, I psyched myself into it as an actor. I was um, looking at a stand where people were playing computer solitaire. That's how I worked it out in my head uh, to where I could actually plausibly play the role. Uh, but my <laughs> but my mug was on Law and Order for a half second, and I think I've told this story maybe on the bonus. But Ice T was on that episode, and they did you know several takes, of course. And uh, his line was, "These guys are not noobs." <laughs> and I heard him say that like fifteen times in a row. And it was great. Um, that is our word. You can't say that word. Ice, no, Ice-T is a legitimate yeah. gamer. He's a, uh, yeah, I, I can't. You can't say that word. You should have said the N-word <laughs> when, when repeating that story. You're right, absolutely right to call that out, Alex. You should have said the Ice-T said the N-word. Well, wouldn't I be – wouldn't yeah, that be me, though? Solitude. Wouldn't I be a, you know, N oob? <laughs> no, you're not even in the game. You're not even in the game. You're, you're not even – in the game a noob is a noob okay. gamer you're so not I'm a gamer at all so you have to have ambition you have to be striving for something all right i mean i have been playing especially with the rise of anti you know gamer bigotry is really <laughs> shameful for you to do that uh but yeah that's another thing svu does they do that they like even Gamergate, they get episode on just anything that's on mm -hmm. the news that like the interns who fetch their coffee are like tweeting about. Like they somehow find a way to mix it in. They did an OnlyFans uh, episode pretty recently as well, and they tried to be like sensitive to the simp. <laughs> like at first they were like, "Oh, the one of the simps did it," and then Ice T explains to him, "Actually, these simps are actually you know." just normal kind of people you know that some of one of them was a couple <laughs> one was like a just a regular guy and they they visited all the simps to see who had hurt this uh this uh woman who was on OnlyFans, and it turned out not to be any of the simps so they tried to like you and 
if they had done that episode like 10 years ago, it would most like the first 15 minutes would be like Stabler or Benson or any of the beautiful, handsome detectives talking about how gross and disgusting these people are. And obviously they're perverts and should be locked up for something. But they have tried to be a little bit more on the ball and they they've grown and changed. So now when they do the porn episodes about how, oh, actually, you know, they're supporting sex workers by like they never would have done that uh, sort of take you know 10 up ep- 10 years ago so the politics of the show do like try to keep up and evolve they're right. never good but they change you've already cut into the main uh, observation i had on this show which is all of the cops are way too good looking <laughs> the, the women's hair is uh flowing like the wind in every scene when they're inside in an office and they i mean the only reason my attention got drawn to this to begin with was people were tweeting about how uh, 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 Christopher Maloney, who plays Stabler, who's it's back Stabler. this episode, baby. Stabler's back. His st- Detective yeah. Stabler, his ass has, like, the Ren and Stimpy right. ass. <laughs> he has, like, the fist coming out of yeah. the butt ass, which I did not know was a real thing It just thing goes, like, now. horizontally backward. It makes no sense. He must be wearing something. It shoots an additional yeah. butt out of his ass. <laughs> uh, but, like, I agree with what you're saying about the... the politics of the show it's like they should just go full like the shield and just have them all be corrupt yeah reactionary bastards you know instead of trying to do this middle ground of like well um black and blue lives matter what what happens if you mix black and blue (laughs) yeah (laughs) see and that's the thing right because this show tries does try to have it both ways and stabler's return is a great example of this now when stabler was on the show he, every so often he would get rough with a suspect, but it wasn't necessarily like he was a unhinged cop, especially early on. He's not like he's not necessarily supposed to be the macho, the, t- the stereotypical macho tough guy cop because he works in, in sex crimes. Like, obviously, the stereotypical macho. He has yeah. a more of a sensitive side. He has a wife. He has several d- daughters that he, he yeah, dotes those on. Yeah, kind of a liability on yeah. the sex crimes team, I've found. <laughs> yeah. Kind of scare everybody. Well, <laughs> well, in reality, that right. does happen. There's story. There's actually story like the NY, the New Orleans um, sex crimes unit was run by a man and a woman and they just basically did not do anything like any reports they got they would just ignore toss uh in the trash so that does happen but as far as Staber goes you know he would have these incidents but like he's a tv cop so tv cops shoot a lot of people mm-hmm. and kill a lot of people and get in a lot of fights but he wasn't necessarily like a problem because in the law and order universe all that shit is justified every cop shooting right. is good every time they have to put their hands on a subject is justified they never make a mistake they never put an innocent guy in jail at least for the first 10 15 years of the law and order universe that progressively has changed and then they changed stabler's character where this his past incidents where you know it's just a normal episode and he shoots a guy and no one cares then that becomes oh you shoot, shot a guy and now you have to go to therapy now you have to do this now we have to talk about it now it's a character arc that you killed uh somebody and they ended up making that the reason he departed the show and it was kind of it's kind of like a retcon because it didn't the show didn't start off in a world where it mattered if, like if a cop shot, shot somebody he deserves it that that was what law and order was 
if you went to jail you deserved it but they started changing they went back on cases and said actually this person didn't do it and we 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 screwed up they always are trying to kind of update it but the problem becomes like still people love stabler and so yeah. stabler's back so it doesn't matter how many guys he shot it doesn't matter like if he did like a mia copa about his violence or recovered it he's still like the very next you know in the next hour like he's fighting the mafia so now he like wherever we say about stabler and his history of violence he's a good guy he's fight he's the good guy he's on every thursday at 9 p.m or whatever so like what do we reckon with we didn't reckon with anything we just said this guy is great because it, it, it was much better to view law and order as like a sci-fi uh, series where cops are actually good and villains are actually evil it takes place in like an alternate earth alternate timeline or whatever with if you the look same at that, news items same yeah. news items that we have but in yeah. a different world <laughs> yeah but it, but like you said when they bring in the news items and then try to make them integral to the show where the cops themselves are commenting on what they think about black lives matter then it it, it get it, it stops being a fantasy and they but you and you're not really dealing with the propaganda that you've done earlier you haven't really addressed it or changed it you've just told us that yeah stabler killed a bunch of guys but it's okay like the same thing with jack bauer they they tried to put jack bauer on trial in like season seven like a right. congressional hearing but at the end of but at the end of the day like jack bauer was yeah. right they jack had him bauer standing up right. to red foreman so, who was like a senator or whatever and he was like senator you do not understand what it's like to have to save a million people in five minutes Jack yeah, Power, and, are you are you sorry for saving my <laughs> pussy ass? <laughs> yeah, and so like it, in the in universe explanation works out for that character. So when so, but it doesn't work in the real world. So when you re bring the real world accusation into the fictional world, you're basically just basically saying like it is okay and it is justified to do all this stuff because Jack Power right. it was right. Stabler this, this was right. For Stabler <laughs> to ever feel bad about anything he's done is an abomination against the entire format of the show. This show started in 1999. It's a procedural. <laughs> it's called Law and Order. There's not supposed to be a part where they question whether there should be law. <laughs> the part of the show is supposed to be like, ah, I gotta head down to booking. That's a scene. Booking. And the entire tone of this is so confused. So in the 2000s, was this... Was this? Did they like try to be harder about about the cases? Or, or did, did they rough up the suspects a little more? Or? Yeah, and it was very black and white. And the thing was, like, oh, these are the suspects that nobody's going to feel sorry for. These are the criminals that the cops can do whatever they want to. They can break all the rules. They can get as because if you actually watch USA Network, they have all these ads about of Stabler and Benson and most of them are just about how goddamn angry they are about all these perverts that they have to catch and how they are advocates for the victims. So it's a very pure black and white narrative for cops. That's, and that's kind of how what SVU is. Where, whereas something like law, the regular Law and Order had, did have you know a bit of a moral gray area. It's like, oh, you know this guy did it but he did it for like or a justified reason or he comes from this sort of background with svu they they have moved in that direction a little bit more but basically when you're 
hunting like pedophiles and rapists like no one's going to be questioning like whether you read them their rights or anything like that and it when that does come up it's presented as being absolutely ridiculous oh this guy got off got on a technicality how awful is it there's a lot of svu episodes yes, in the yes. early seasons like that like god damn it these sons of bitches have lawyers the and oh and the presentation of the defense attorneys on svu which they've dropped off lately was all always very very hostile obviously because they're defending you know people accused Some of great sex european crime. defense attorneys in this episode though <laughs> top-notch shady italian defense attorney oh yes i, I remember it, it may have been law and order svu it may have been another cop show maybe another law and order there's like criminal intent for a while i don't know what the distinction there was but i remember that's the one for criminals. So criminals <laughs> from the criminal at home. Criminal intent, just briefly. Criminal intent was a like a Vincent Vincent D'Onofrio yeah. vehicle. Then Jeff Bloom eventually did it, but it was supposed to be more like Sherlock Holmes. That okay. was basically that idea. You would know who the criminal was in the beginning, and it would be these very complicated crimes mostly committed by like psychiatrists or doctors you mm -hmm. know like more high high quality crimes for a high quality mind in a, in a cop uh, I to find. and he was a non-traditional very non-traditional cop actually He's and Italian. didn't get along with the bar <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I the iron triangle it, it may have been that I, I it tracks if it was svu but i remember at least reading about, there was one episode in which a detective was interrogating a pedophile, and the pedophile had a victim, like, stowed away somewhere. And in order to get the info for where the kid was... There's an was, exploding child underneath my vest. <laughs> <laughs> but in order to get the info from the, you know, Nambla pedophile as to where the kid was... The detective promised him like 15 minutes with the kid once they find him. Uh, <laughs> what but then the fuck? <laughs> they went back on it. They he lied, but it was still like, oh, Ooh, this is this is scintillating gray area television here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they they really do deserve the boot. Yeah. <laughs> Any anything Stapler's got to do to get to the bottom of this one. So usually we do like a full recap of these, but I want to just like quickly go over the the like plot points just for like 5 seconds and we can get over to how like genuinely confusing watching this was. So we have the uh ageless police captain played by Mariska Hargitay, Detective Olivia Benson, Captain Olivia Benson. I've seen 3 episodes of this show. I she, think she's a captain by now. Yeah, she's captain. She should be. She definitely seems in charge. And she yeah, sees she's her definitely old in charge. Detective Elliot Stabler, who we find out was in Rome for years. All these years <laughs> he's been gone. And he, it's because he's been the NYPD's man in Rome. The meathead dipshit who got fired, more or less, is, like, in Rome. Like, he completely Does bizarre. Do the NYPD really have people in Rome? They're I don't know if they have them in no, Rome. No, they do. Well, maybe oh, not buddy. Rome, but they they do have, like, an international in unit. Yeah. They'll show up to other countries for, like, terror stuff, and the, the, all, the local law enforcement are always like, what the fuck are you doing here? Go away. They never contribute <laughs> anything useful. Yeah. <laughs> It's just some Are like you part of the Law and Order TV show. Yeah, it's just it's just gonna be some like fat cop from Queens on vacation. Like, let me you know help. I don't speak the language, but I'm gonna poke around and like <laughs> like That's badger your witness I mean, in a language I don't understand. 
That seems like a CIA, like, stash away job. Like, we need a guy just hanging out in Rome. We'll yeah. contact you when when the time is right. I mean, it sounds like a make-work job. It sounds like a mafia, like, no-show job for, like, you just get to travel someplace. You don't even have to you do You just that. go and take bribes. You, you, he should have been the bribe collector for the NYPD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they couldn't trust him with the bribes. He kept roughing everybody up. And now he's back, Anders. He's back in New York City, and he's here with his wife. But she's tragically, first thing you see in the show, his wife has been exploded in an exploding incident. She went to go open her car door, and her car exploded. And they think it's something to do with these protesters downtown who are coded right-wing capital insurrection guys. And her and her explosion is somehow a sex crime. I'm not well, sure how to pull that off. Well, this but. time it's personal. <laughs> it was personal. See, this is how they brought, brought it in. So his wife is actually kind of a long-running character on the show. She wasn't – I don't know if she was meant to be initially, but she – uh, eventually her and the daughters became bigger parts of the show so she so seeing her back was also interesting uh, too and she's a uh, i think she's she goes on the majority report a lot that really? actress who plays her she's pretty uh pretty funny and uh interesting person it was sad oh, to no. see her get uh killed off it's a damn after, shame what happened it, it, it was so <laughs> yeah so you do have like this is like a 22 year character arc that we've just seen completely so her her death was pretty like sad i want to call it and the next time she's on the majority port as Stabler, be like, Howard, are you alive? How'd you get on my computer screen? Now, I was enjoying it much more when I thought she was a character they were introducing this episode and then exploded and died. That was very funny for me. Oh, no. She, you, you, people have spent more time with her than they have their own children. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's, she's, she's a long-running uh, character. So it was a bit of emotional. But she hasn't been on the show for, like, 10 years and then mm. a stabler. So a lot of she's people probably— Rome. Yeah, a lot of people watch, and we didn't know that at all. Like, that, that was new, I think, actually. They didn't—like, in the— they just didn't talk about where Stabler went for the most part because they weren't sure if he was going to come back ever. It's not like he left on bad terms. He just wanted to do something, you know, different with his career and his life at the time. And so they always kind of left it open when on a lot of these shows, like they'll like get they'll like kill a character off when they leave the show, which I usually find more interesting. But they uh, kept him around. Right. Well, what happened is, is the character Stabler actually got his ass stuck in an escalator. And it was uh, for 10 oh years God, he couldn't imagine? get this pointy ass out of the escalator. That's the most upsetting visual I have ever conjured. Why and then he gets out of that, that and then he gets stuck in the Suez Canal and we all know what happened. Right? You're telling me I'm blocking world trade. Um, yeah, so that, that, that leads us into the meat of the episode, which is uh, Detective Stapler does not work here, but he is going to get to the bottom of this crime using his personal contact in the NYPD sex division. And so they're interrogating this, like, uh, 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 white rapper-looking guy. He has, like, the, the, the shaved Nazi head uh, on the sides, you know, with the long hair on top. And right. they interrogate him, and he's just been watching Alex Jones for 12 years or, uh, or something, like eight hours a day for the last decade. Right. Yeah, but it... If I remember correctly, his politics are like a mix. Like he's like Antifa and alt right, like in one. Or maybe I'm thinking of, of another guy. But it felt like he said a couple of things that sounded like he was very like it was like they were trying to get both characters in one. It was like they're trying to do they, a Boogaloo Boy, in a way. 
No, yeah, no. yeah. Leslie, like book- you've been fooled by the good folks at Law and Order. <laughs> what was happening, and this this does happen with the the insurrection people, is they cover their asses by blaming Antifa right. for stuff. So whenever they mention something exploding and going wrong, he's like, Antifa snuck in and did that. Ah. that w- we have to break the law, but they're doing it wrong, and it. It is. It's this really weird gray area. I feel like this is the most confusing part of the episode because you have these guys who are right wing law and order people who are the target audience for the show when the show starts. And now they're the villains in the show. Mm. And no one knows what to do with it. Well, I think that's a mistake. Law and order is not for right wingers. Law and order SVU is for like women. Right. Like that's I mean that's who watch these shows. I love these shows, and the reason I watch these shows because my mom watched these shows. Mm. Like these, most the majority of the, of these shows, the cop, the Law and Order, the CSIs, is 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 women. It's not really a political thing. It's just like the cop story, and this is the why it's, there's so many of them. It's not. It's actually the cop again that comes in with them, but I don't know if the point of the, if cause the, I don't know if the point of why there's so many of these shows is for is to make propaganda is because making an hour of or hour long show about a cop story is very easy to do on a regular basis right. and you can make very interesting and riveting television that a certain demographics will like and can watch over and over again and that's why SVU and Law and Order and CSI are playing on any five networks you have at any given uh, time it's just like it's just a really like the cop story is just so pure it's good versus evil in uh, in the, the in the fictional sense obviously not in the real world but it's a very good versus evil story there's mystery there's intri- in- intrigue you're trying to figure out what's happening what's going on and whether the truth even matters at the end of the day mm-hmm. you might they a lot as a law and order episodes they figure out who done it but they can't prove it or it they can't um, prove it beyond a reasonable doubt in court and they have to sit and live with that that's also good storytelling too it's just a very easy thing to do and you don't need a bunch of special effects you just need like a couple of rooms and like some ties and like co- a coffee <laughs> machine and you and you, you have a cop show ties. Uh, I mean, and that's what happens in the show too is you want to stay with this fun uh uh insurrection dude but actually he's just he's uh he's been made up he's red been set herring. up by the goddamn italians and then the rest of the episode they're they're chasing these guys from the iron triangle which is either albanians or italians or greeks i didn't get the third part of the triangle but it's somebody somebody's doing something over there and you you, you gotta be mad at them about it that's like yeah, a and- fictional place right that they made up for the law and order universe yeah, Albania is part of the law. <laughs> the wag the dog situation. No, but wait, because I know they the make Wakanda. up. They they make up like crime it's families, and did they not make that up? I thought it was like that country in the DC universe that they always reference in the Middle East. They have they have a couple actually. DC has a few. They yeah. have was it Kandak maybe is what <laughs> I think. Yeah, but uh, so this episode, I actually you when you mentioned mentioned me about doing this episode, Alex, I was I knew you would kind of be disappointed in the actual one six content because that's just a red herring. This is not a true ripped from the headlines episode. They do this sometimes too, where they will rip the premise, the mm-hmm. the 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 red herring from the episode uh, from the headlines, but then go and do like a regular topsy turvy. Uh, Law and Order show with twists and turns. This is definitely it. If one six had not happened, 
it would be this exact same episode, but the car bomb would just not have been one six guys. It would have been just straight up Antifa guys, you know, uh, like th- that's Antifa just a- guys like middle America understands Antifa guys by this point. Like they get the character. You have the feeling when this guy was on screen, they're like, we don't know what to do with you. Yeah, uh, he, he didn't even do it. It's too. <laughs> yeah, it's too. Yeah, it was too fast, too soon, and even then, like the real point of this episode is to launch, is to return, bring Stabler back, and then launch his show, uh, which has not, which does not mention one six at all, obviously, even though it's the second part of this episode. Uh, Important question: Are Detective Stabler's children children? In most of the show, because they kept showing up independently as adults to hug their dad. And I was like, this is weird behavior for adult characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're ch- mostly children before before. We, this is our first time seeing them as adults, too. So they're coming back as well. And it may and I don't know if uh, they all like remain actors or anything like that. So, you know, I hope they come back. They can really hug a dad. <laughs> Interesting. You know how to make TV that way. But but yeah, I think what you were getting onto earlier is really important, which is that this is a show that is about cops, but is not expressly f- for the purpose of copaganda. It like has some in it. A lot. That's not <laughs> yeah. Virtue of, yeah. Well, it's interesting because yeah. I remember watching an interview with Mariska Hargitay. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. And she, Great pronunciation. Take it. From the fictional country of Alabama. <laughs> But she says that sometimes she gets pulled over for speeding and the cops always like let her out of it because they recognize her from law and order. So it's like (laughs) they view what they're doing as like a service to the public or as like, you know, oh, you're showing us, portraying us as the good guys. Um, Representation of blue lives. I mean, yeah, and it, it does so much to just warp how you think about the real world right. and crime because because the propaganda is not explicit you just think you're watching a show but then you if you watch this show for years and decades you're going to come across with some beliefs about like cops <laughs> that just aren't true like the idea that cops stop crime <laughs> like that the yeah. cops are good at solving crime like especially SVU my god like what what would a realistic episode of Law and Order SVU be that was actual actually like a real sex crimes unit? It would be images of rape kits sitting in an empty office yeah. being untested. SVU they get their DNA test results. Uh, the speed right now is about an hour. About an hour seems to be how People fast the they get their great stuff. Shout out to them. Yeah, that that lab team is the most efficient lab team that's ever existed. Like I said, it's a sci-fi show. When in reality, and and SBU <laughs> actually had to do did they did ads about this? Marisha Hurricane, like sometimes they will they done ads about how actually the cops suck at testing um, rape kits kits and not solving and not even looking into these crimes which is the first thing they do in every episode so Mm. if you watch svu and then you hear wait a minute if if i'm assaulted and i go through this uh, horrific procedure they might not even test it for years if not months even if there are other attacks in my area from someone with the same mo like that you, most people wouldn't believe that if I told them that because they've seen SVU. Right. Just a realistic portrayal would be like half the episode dedicated to figuring out what she was wearing at the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious if, if they – did they handle at all the Duke lacrosse scandal back in the day? 
Yeah, yeah. They there's a du- there's a Duel of the Cross episode. I don't remember. I'm sa- I'm sorry. I've seen it at least four or five times, but I couldn't tell you where they came down on it, what the tone they struck was. But there is definitely, definitely an episode. And I even think there. I think there's an SVU and there's a Law and Order. And I think the Law and Order would probably be the one that's more offensive. I think that came mm-hmm. earlier. I yeah. think the SVU one came fairly. A, a bit after and if they done the actual case they've done Epstein, they make like right? three of these a day dude they have one yeah. for everything yeah. <laughs> oh they, yeah they've done epstein epstein i think was the last season it was pretty it, it was pretty it was a pretty fun episode okay. <laughs> weird to say about something about epstein but it was one where they were just like tr- you can clearly tell they were kind of having fun with the premise and the rip from the headlines they really they they did a good uh pretty you know, interesting. Episode. And they did they have him Detective Stapler came back from Little Saint James Island. <laughs> I, I no, I think he just went on trial. It was kind of boring. But they mentioned Epstein in the episode. This, so this is another weird thing about their ripped from the headlines thing. They almost always like you. You'll see. You'll see. You'll be watching SVU. You'll be. You'll see them like no, no way are they doing this. No way are they doing this story. And they're doing it. And then five minutes into the episode, Ice T will come and name drop the real story of the case. Yeah. Like, hey, this murder <laughs> is just like what happened to uh, Jeffrey Epstein, huh? <laughs> it's it's just... like you're in his dream, and he's like <laughs> kind of like catching you up of what's been going on in the real world and the fake world at the same time. It's the most bizarre thing because some of these things are like so unique, like they don't happen twice, you right. know. But in SVU, they all, crime always happens twice. <laughs> yeah, and the people who make these shows, this is the confusing part. So the the you can believe the rumors on this one. Uh, Hollywood is full of liberals for the most part. Yeah. Right? Like the people who make this show are perceivably are liberals. And you gotta wonder, like, watching it, like, how many of them actually are pro cop at this point? Like Ice T is on this show. Yes, yeah. It's a I mean, it is a it is a job. It is right. a gig. And you know, Dick Wolf is gen generally uh known as a liberal. Mm-hmm. I uh, the type of liberal we hate, of course, but one that's like in good standing yeah. in Hollywood. One I don't think he's paid. Yeah, I don't think he's really known as being like a super far right uh, guy, but he did get criticism a little bit uh, for hiring Fred Thompson, who is yeah. uh, who is a Republican. But but the, but he pushed back on that. I think remember, it, I mean, somebody may be able to look up the articles, but from what I recall, the pushback was that wow, liberal Dick Wolf hires Fred hires a you know Republican firebrand Jim Thompson. This is the proof that you know maybe we're in a postpartisan world ah. or something. It was it was framed in very um, West Wingian terms even, he, even though he did get criticism for it but the criticism wasn't that dick wolf you're a right winger it, it was dick wolf why are you inviting a republican in why are you putting <laughs> why are you giving him a him a job and without people noticing that actually like law and order itself is extremely extremely right wing on certain issues like the idea of the hero district attorney which dick wolf wolf pioneered right he did pioneer this most of the shows before this were about defense attorneys you know like people getting people off or maybe or you do have the cop shows but the but dick wolf did invent the ultra heroic heroic uncorruptible uh jack mccoy one of the most noble characters that's ever been portrayed on screen and he's a district attorney who never ever 
you know, wavers in his quest for truth, justice, and fairness. Well, I, I remember watching David, or excuse me, uh, uh, what's his name? Wolf. Dick Wolf, for the first time. Uh, it was very surreal Dick. experience to see, like, the actual guy, because uh, I, I didn't have cable growing up, so I'd watch Tavis Smiley every night, and he was on the Tavis Smiley show once, and the first thing he says, Tavis like... Tavis Smiley was, uh, I don't know what he's doing now, but he had a show on PBS for a while. He was kind of like a, a DJ guy, and he's a pretty talented interviewer. But um, they had Dick Wolf on, and the first thing Dick Wolf says is, what I usually hear is that I ruin people's sex lives when they see me. Uh, and then, because he's promoting... <laughs> don't say that into a yeah. camera. <laughs> <laughs> but he was promoting, like, an HBO special he was doing about the trail of tears and about like american genocide uh and tavis smiley used the term native american and i always remember dick wolf was like i am shocked at the political incorrectness on the tavis smiley show the term is american indian not native american which is like (laughs) just such a weird thing for like a tv producer like you know wealthy white old white guy to like get up in arms about um chad dick wolf tears apart liberal tavis <laughs> smiley in five <laughs> seconds with logic yeah he's definitely he was a liberal for the 80s but he, i don't think his politics have really grown even though the show has done a fair a better than i would expect job of updating even especially when with that that first black lives matter episode which was you know very uh, anti-Black Lives Matter, <laughs> more more or less, but it did portray like Olivia as kind of like a villain, as like the antagonist too. In a weird way, it was very confused. It was very confused. But I think they are trying to do. Try, they're trying to make the politics better. But again, since it comes in this cop format, the problem is the cops. The problem is this is a show about the most noble, great, greatest cops in the world so it doesn't matter like how woke you are if you know all the right terms which they do or if they do a lot they've done episodes about you know lgbtq issues a lot of episodes they've been very um pro lgbtq but at the end of the day it's still a bunch of fucking cops chasing down people they've even gone so far the last episode uh they did uh, maybe two episodes ago was called welcome to the pedo motel right (laughs) And that's the name of it. That's the name of the episode, and it was is a and they've done they've covered this on Law and Order for you before, but in a very different way, where you know sex offenders end up having to live in one place because in one building usually because this is the only place that will accept them and you know that's usually considered like a good thing in the world of SVU. But this latest episode, they kind of they actually do question like what. Is the is this really you know how we operate? Is this just punishment? What are these men supposed to do mm-hmm. if they're not allowed to reintegrate into society? Right. Or and then the one of the central people was someone who uh, was convicted of a sex crime, but it was um, it, it was it was a black guy, and it, this was a rip from the headlines thing. And I think they've done this more than once. The black guys who get charged with sex crimes by their white girlfriend's father, even though their ages are like they go to school together, yeah. and they had that. So they really tried to like even their portrayal of like uh, you know pedophiles. They tried to I don't in a weird way soften it with this last episode and kind of at least 
open up the possibility that you know even though we've been saying we should be like shoot these people on the street which is which the cops do say in the early seasons like we should just put these people in the ground mm -hmm. and now we're moved to the point where actually you know what we need to be talking seriously at least about how we re reintegrate these people it, so it changes there's a scene in, in this fucking episode where detective stabler is left alone with the guy he thinks murdered yeah. his wife for five minutes and then almost punches him and then the whole show stops and looks at the camera is like there are rules yes we can't just go willy-nilly on, on <laughs> how fucking confusing would you be imagine if you were on desert island and all you had was 22 episodes of lawn or svu with you what would you think was happening in the world what changes have been made <laughs> how confused would you be by the end because in the first seasons you're like you're being and pair those up and then all of a sudden it's like well you can't do that you can't even threaten to do that stabler what the hell is wrong with you I... and there was this one murdered his wife yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one maybe good excuse you have to punch a guy like they, there's actual episodes where they literally get people killed like innocent oh i remember there was one episode in particular they think this guy did it, and they're so nasty to him stabler and benson they were the lead detectives on the case and they were like you did it we did we know you did we're going to keep you we're going to get you in prison and you're going to be raped in prison they they and they used to say that a lot too they don't say that <laughs> when anymore. we say raped we mean raped in the way yeah. it's okay to say in 1999 and that did happen and he was killed and then at the end of the episode Jesus we find fuck. out that he was innocent and <laughs> it was just like Oh well, we're mad at the woman who lied about him, <laughs> and not like the the cops aren't culpable or anything like that. And I think years later, this was this was very interesting. This is a very interesting reckoning. This guy who was who was innocent was sent to jail. I, actually, I take that back. I don't know if he was innocent or not. But Olivia did say to him that when you get to prison, they're going, you're going to be assaulted because they don't like pedos there, right? And that did happen. And he thought that she had literally hired guys to do it to him. And so she, he like goes around like killing people she knows as revenge for her hiring guys. This is dark 2 p.m. television. Yes, really. And, and these episodes do air at all any hour of the day. It's absolutely wild. But yeah, and so, and then he goes and he kidnaps all these people. And when he's talking to her and he's like, I'm going to kill you, he explains to her like why he's doing this. And she, then she looks at him and she says, I am so sorry for saying that to you. I never should have said that. I never would have. In retrospect, so my bad. <laughs> yeah, my bad. And he's like, after he's already killed like five innocent people, and I think he even killed like a kid who like knew Olivia. Like it was really like oh, a really no. like dark oh. revenge, like a really extreme revenge uh, sort of thing. That's so another thing. SVU takes place on multiple ontological levels. Sometimes you're supposed <laughs> to look at this as a grim and gritty cop show with real people. Sometimes it's like a superhero show right. where you're where someone you screwed over, you know, five season go se seasons go returns and kills your boyfriend. Like it is you can't always take everything as seriously, even though it gets some very violent and dark stuff. But sometimes it just gets completely ridiculous. Watching that, I mean, it sounds like it's always been kind of over the top, you know, because in the way you want TV to be, so that's good, uh, you know, that you have the, the, the wrongly accused sex criminal murdering children, and then that's drama, sure. But watching this now has a weird feeling like you're just, like, witnessing an outdated technology 
because the liberal created uh, uh, universally enjoyable cop show uh, seems really out of place when you're watching it and then you go to Twitter on the next tab on your computer because you're watching it on your computer because it's 2021 and there's like four high-profile cop murders at the same yeah. time. Yeah. To the point where, like, in terms of the, the, the kind of feel-good feeling they're probably pursuing when they make this kind of thing while reinforcing the status quo and, and uh, re-upholding all of, all of the structures that you're supposed to feel comfortable with and make you feel good watching TV, all that stuff seems like it's much better accomplished by, like, superhero shows at this mm-hmm. point. Well, like they're much more capable copaganda in terms of what they're uh, uh, the like effect they're having on you, the viewer, because the, you are not looking at them and being like, oh, shit, they have a gun. This reminds me of the guy I saw earlier. I mean, the, Alex, the perfect example of this is Watchmen, which right. is just which is a cop show. But it has that layer of superhero dumb. And people were like, wow, this is like pro abolitionist almost because the cops are bad and the superheroes are cool. But the superheroes are literally all like detectives, you know, which is a which is a neat trick that actually a lot of competent again, the plays where. All right. Street cops are bad. But detectives are smart. They know what they're doing. They're only investigating the crimes that matter, which is, you know, kind of how SVU starts, right? Right. Your mind is always like, well, if I was murdered by a psycho pedophile on a revenge highway, uh, I would want them to be uh, taken to justice by a gumshoe afterwards. So I, I guess this one's all right. Well, or if you were targeted by a murder robot from the future... Of course, you're gonna want a Captain America or a Tony Stark out there Get helping rid of you. That murder robot, right? Well, so that's something that I've wrestled with a lot, I guess. Is like I'm not a gamer, as we've established, but I'm a, a lifelong fan of comic books, and like the question of are superheroes fundamentally reactionary, I think is a uh, one that's hard to answer, but I it, it it feels like they kind of are in a way. I mean, David Graeber had this theory about superheroes is that for the most part they are uh status quo uh saving right they don't actually build a different world or better world they're just kind of keep the equilibrium going but yeah that's what supervillains do right but and (laughs) but then again yeah they're, they're living in the superhero universe there are constantly people that we don't have in our reality who are supervillains are constantly trying to destroy things and like blow up the world in a way that just human beings have not really been able to accomplish anything <laughs> like so in that sort of setting it seems like we we need superheroes uh but at the same time are there heroes like green arrow i just read um through the wreckage by judd winnick i uh, really enjoyed uh, can there be superheroes like green arrow who actually are fighting the uh ruling class and the the evil elements in our society who are not just you know villains or maybe are colluding with the villains uh can there be i guess a leftist superhero is that even a possibility i mean i mean not really <laughs> no. on, i mean because at the end of the day like 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 if you're trying to change the world for the better that just makes you a villain like you're if you're if you're saying i have this power and I'm going to try to change things. Like if I'm, I'm going to change the status quo. You're a villain. I think um, Neil got. Of course, this has been explored a lot in comics, but Neil Gaiman did this with um, Miracle Man, where he, you know, stops the supervillains, and then he's like, actually, I'm going to now make the world a better place. And they didn't finish the story, but it was clearly going on the path where now he's a totalitarian ruler, mm. Superman, Red Sun, yep. Empire um, by Mark Wade, I believe. 
tons of comics have gone this path and almost always like anybody trying to work, make the world a better place with using their powers to make the world a better place or you know to empower people who aren't currently in power ends up being a, treated as a supervillain which is what would happen in the real world and realistically i think because i was watching invincible uh, mm-hmm. which the amazon adaptation cartoon adaptation today and what that show uh and i will recommend it, it gets pretty good yeah. by the second or third episode uh first one's pretty bad especially because it, it makes very clear that that if you are someone who gets superpowers one day and your first instinct is to go and pummel some human beings to protect a bank, uh, you're a piece <laughs> of shit. And that is, describes 99.999% of superheroes. No one would ever do that. No one, no good person would ever think like that. There was one guy who did that in real life last year during the Black Lives Matter protests who showed up at a bank to fight everyone with his nunchucks. Remember him? Yeah. And then he got beaten to a pulp in five seconds, and we all laughed about it for like six months. That's the closest you can get to that mindset, I think. Well, I think you, someone else got a bit closer. I know it's a little bit later in the show notes, but someone like a Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. What did he think he was doing other than what a superhero is doing? Yeah, and then especially the fact that um, not only what did he think he was doing in terms of like upholding law and order – but the treatment he gets from the public right. for doing it probably means we're going to be seeing more Kyle Rittenhouses this year, or if not this year, in the future. Yeah, and the public support seems a lot like the public support that, I don't know, Spider-Man gets. Well, but there are a lot, of, a there are a lot of versions, though, you where know? the public is against, especially with Marvel, against Spider-Man, or they think these... Or, you know, it depends. It depends on the presentation, yeah. but when... When those type of heroes are treat those street level heroes who are going out and you know saving people or Daredevil, you know, Bat- I don't know if Batman Batman doesn't get as much. DC World is a little bit different than the Marvel World, mm-hmm. so the pre- presentation is a little bit different. DC is much more of like a sci-fi fictional universe where Marvel tries to like takes place in New York right. City, but Punisher, you know, yeah. obviously. A lot of people inspired uh, by Punisher who think they are superheroes because they're cops and they're going around and they're fighting crime, which is what superheroes do. Yeah. At least in their defense, they're really good at letting you know they're inspired by the Punisher (laughs) by putting it on every item they own and maybe their own bodies. Yeah, that also, Anders, what you were saying really dives into the trick superhero movies and comics play, right? Which is that, like you'll have the psycho who's going to go beat people up, but they always have that one rule where they will stop short of killing people. And that's like, you swung a man on a web you made from your hands into a concrete wall at 20 miles an hour. How is it realistic you're not killing anyone? Right. Well, they're also super powered, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think, and there are many versions where Green Arrow, what, probably my favorite superhero, nothing, you know. Might have something to do with my for complexion and, and hair color. There are versions where he is just a, a cop. But there are some... Ice-T coming out of the pod damn show notes and going, he's simping for Green Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he can turn this world around. <laughs> I'm just saying, there are some where he's like... Where Oliver Queen becomes mayor of Star City and he's like fighting developers. And like that's the, the main plot point. But that is one version of Green Arrow... 
uh, within many others, you know, and yeah. Well, there's a there's an HBO show right now that isn't the voice. Um, I don't know the name of it. Leslie, you'd probably do it. That, that that's supposed to be the two communist superheroes, but they're just being cops. That's Watchmen. No, I no, think... no. The are you talking about the boys? No. Or you're talk? Oh, communist, communist Red cops. Are, are you talking about the like the fictional where? It, it was a there was an Amazon show that was supposed to take place. Um, oh yeah, was that one's really good. It's uh, it well, it's interesting because um, what they did was they this is like an these are actual um, scripts that were written in I think it was an Eastern Bloc country. I don't know if it was the Soviet Union. Oh, comrade, detective. comrade detective. Is that what, yeah, yeah. Is that what you mean, Alex? No, no. There's. Oh. But that is a good that is a good point though because Comrade Detective is an interesting show because it's it uh, it's like a it's communist propaganda in this you know which is not to knock it right uh, but it was it's their the scripts were written in like the eighties um, to sort of do a, a an Eastern version of American cop shows that are pro communist. Uh, and so they, what they did was they took all the dialogue and just reshot it. So it has this sort of like self-aware, but like chintzy feel to it. Um, it's a, it's a really fun show. Uh, it's just kind of like bizarro cop show. Who's Captain America's ward? The guy in the, in the Avengers get, inherits the title. Oh, uh, Bucky. Oh, Winter Soldier. And yeah, Winter Soldier. Are Doesn't you... he have his own TV show right now? Yeah. Oh, they're supposed to be comics. Yeah, I didn't know that. I think so. I was I was counting on you to know about this. <laughs> no, no, he's not counting all week inf- on my inf- other podcast. Oh, in fact, let's get, yeah. So, in fact, in, in Winter Soldier actually, it, he is a you know a white guy who was friends with Captain America uh, uh, before the war. Um, he ends up fr- getting frozen with him. They were sidekick. He was this uh, Captain America sidekick. He gets frozen. He gets frozen in like the Baltic Sea or something. Russia finds him and turns him into a super soldier too. And then he spends like decades as a like assassin for like the secret uh, Hydra KGB or whatever. I think that's mostly it. But no, he's not a communist. He's not like no. He was kidnapped. By the communists and turned into an uh, evil uh, experiment. Right. He was brainwashed by AOC videos <laughs> into acting outside of his rational interests. Yeah, and Falcon is just Uncle Tom, and Tom anyway. So, like, you know, he, there's no points to Falcon. Although there is an interesting scene that. I regret bringing this up. I'm way out of my depth. <laughs> but, there, but there is a funny scene where it, it, at the end of Endgame, Captain America hands Falcon the shield and is like, all right, you're going to be a new Captain America. And uh, from what I remember, they promoted the show was supposed to be Captain America and Winter Soldier because Anthony Mackie was supposed to be the new Captain America. Uh. At some point, this changed where he is no longer, the show is no longer about him becoming Captain America. It's a, uh, or being the new Captain America. It's about maybe, so, it's about maybe sort of he pro- him proving himself worthy or Bucky proving himself worthy to be the next Captain America. So he's not the new Captain America. It's some random... It's a, it's a deep plot. It doesn't really matter. Why would but they, they bring in another guy. But they yeah. But they did bring basically bring in change what they promised, which is the Black Captain America to this different show. But there is one scene where they have they justify it in the show where Bucky says, you know, we didn't know 
what we were doing when we asked a black man to wear that shield, you know, that uh, Captain America, <laughs> red, white, and blue shield, you know, that's a, that, there's a lot of history behind that. And they're basically saying like, he's kind of turning, he, he's turning down the shield because, you know, America, they don't say this, but America just has such a troubled history. And I just, as a black man, couldn't in good conscience uh, take up this uh, the shield. This is infuriating <laughs> to hear about secondhand. Do you know that? Like, outside, like completely outside of the superhero world about it, you could just pick Picture the Hollywood executives being like, "We can't give a black man the shield." <laughs> Dear God, there will be riots. <laughs> well, we're bringing a new guy. Everyone will love it. Fuck that. <laughs> so confusing. Well, they, well, they, they kind of what they call a lampshading it. So the white Captain America in the show is actually probably going to turn out to be a villain. So you're supposed to hate him. So like they give you like they don't do. Like they, it's very easy for them to kind of work both sides of it. Like, no, we don't have a black Captain America, but if you're angry about that, you can get angry at the sh villain in the show and not. But us. America is not the great Satan. That is not what we are Aren't saying some... here on Disney Plus. <laughs> but I feel like there are. I've heard this recently because I, uh, growing up, I always thought of Captain America as sort of like the jingoist reactionary superhero. But I've heard that there's some portrayals where. It's not necessarily like, you know, saying that he is uh, not that way, but he's at least portrayed in a light that is a little more nuanced or, or sort of uh, tries to reconcile America's imperial past or for present. Yeah, there are actually a number of stories. Of that. That, that's actually old hat uh, Captain right. America storytelling at this point from 60s, 70s. They've, al they've always um, reckoned with this. Um, but as far as, like, and it's worth pointing out, like, Captain America in the comics spends most of his time like fighting like space lizards, you know, like or in like case in ice, just frozen or, for or, decades. Or or he gets turned he, get tur he got turned into a werewolf. He he got turned into a <laughs> werewolf. That was my first Captain America comic. So a lot of this the comic book stuff is really silly and doesn't really engage with the politics. Why is he called Captain America? Why is he wear an American flag? Because that's the name of the character and this is the next issue and we're using the same character. Uh that's that's the justification for most of it. Some of some com comics do try to grapple with this, but then a lot are just like he's out in space helping um, Punisher fight Dormu or whatever. Right. This is all just to say I think Hollywood has found a much more digestible slurry for cop ideology oh, yeah. in the superhero shows than in cop shows right now because they're a bit too triggering. For people, Trigger. when they look out, there's literally helicopters going over my apartment while I watch this shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not what I want to be watching. Um, so, so I guess the question I have is, you know, the, Law and Order has been on for uh, SVU has been on for 22 years. They're making, they're ma still making new Law and Orders. There's a new one um, that just came out that's called like Order of Law or something. Oh, it's a, it's a. Organized crime, law and order, organized, organized crime. crime. Really, starring the Stabler. one crime we must stand yeah, against. Yeah, the one yeah. that's still so pervasive. That's the number one well, issue. Well, the coded white crime. <laughs> well, the one that's bad and nobody complains about. And let me tell you, the one that they have in their pocket that they've been trying to develop for a couple of years. Well, they've been trying to figure out a way to put it out for a couple of years. It's called Law and Order Hate Crimes. <laughs> no, How good will idea. that be? How good Why will that be? Every week, the cops helping black people, helping LGBTQ people, helping women, helping you know, our Jewish people, our Jewish friends. Every single week, Law and Order 
tackling hate crime. What are they going to showing with cops, you know, what the real work that cops are doing out there? What are they going to do after like the 10th? <laughs> a rainbow coalition. After the 10th episode, they're like running out of like identities like uh, uh Mennonites are being bashed. <laughs> That's Nobody talks about Ice T is just also in this show. <laughs> you, you call yourself a Mormon? <laughs> what does that mean? Uh yeah, I, I'm. I am wondering like what direction the cop shows are going to be taking for the next ten years, because like TV is, the world is going to keep accelerating, but TV is going to stay the same. And I want to know what weird form that's going to take. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's going to be more anti-hero shows. At least I would hope so. Uh, true crime, I don't think is going away anytime soon. Like I, you know, I hate cops, but I still. Love watching like uh you know Richard Ramirez. Right. I want to see them catch the Night Stalker. Oh yeah, true I saw crime that show on Netflix great. where they catch the yeah. Night Stalker. Is like you got to catch the Night Stalker. That's a great one. Is is it? Because I started watching, and I didn't enjoy it because that one actually I think focused too much on the cop. The best true crime you know documentaries and stories don't focus on the cop. Some of them might focus on an FBI profiler. Yeah. I think a, a, the FBI agents are kind of interesting. Uh, from uh, John, um, God, I've read. Five of his books, and I forget his Blake was too many Weird. Johns. John Douglas, John Douglas, uh-huh. and he's the basis for um, Jack Crawford in Silence of the Lambs. Big uh, and uh, Manhunter. Manhunter is uh, based. Right. Uh, the Netflix series is based on his books. And I've been devouring his books, and it's very interesting because he's not really a cop and. The way they portray the FBI people in all these shows is completely fake. They don't go out and solve crimes and arrest criminals. They don't go out and hunt serial killers. They get files from the local sheriff, local departments, and then they read them and give them like advice, right? And and they're only dealing with you know ver- murders and yeah. you know serial sex crimes and stuff. So. That kind of true crime, it, in, from that level, it's you don't run into the problems when you're in, reading something by David Simon, where his detectives are like busting down doors of black people and like putting guns up to their heads. Uh, wh- in the course of their duties for some reason david simon thinks those types of cops are the good cops i say maybe the only type of good cop is the fbi guy who just sits in a does research on like masturbation <laughs> and then like right. to- the fbi cops assigned a podcast <laughs> yeah yeah cops assigned the podcast and and the ones who send letters to the department saying actually the person who's doing all these crimes is probably not the black guy uh you it's a black guy you arrested which he does actually do and talk about uh in his books like he sometimes he'll be he'll he'll get a case with somebody and from the, these cops and be like there's no way this guy did this. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. th- th- this is what I'm saying. You might enjoy the Night Stalker one just from how clearly they take these two cops' word on everything they say. Because they have around three episodes setting up the Night Stalker. Like, he shot this old woman dead and then had sex with her body. And then episode four is just people making up shit. They're like, I had him in the back of my car and I turned around and I said, listen here, you nice <laughs> son of a bitch. I'm going to put you in a cage. Well, but the reason I like the Night Stalker, and yeah, the, I, the, it, did, it was kind of hard to get into, like the first couple episodes. But okay. what I liked about it is it goes into sort of the bureaucracy. Because and Diane Feinstein actually makes oh an yeah appearance. I heard about yeah. that part. Uh, it go, it, what's fun about it is like the clashing that happens between police departments and city governments and just different bureaucracies double crossing each other and screwing up each other's intel and shit like that. Uh, and then also yeah the profiling of Ramirez and figuring out who he is. 
Um, they did not have nearly enough about him in there. They had just one snippet where they're like, oh, and by the way, as a child, his parents used to take him to the graveyard and pretend crucify him. Anyway, that's when we decided to check the steakhouse. And it was like, what the fuck was that part? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in, in, the, in what Ramirez's case showed, and a lot of them showed, there's a one about the, um, the Night Stalker in all, what they call the Night Stalker in Australia, um, where... Just the the nice <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like they, they have a couple. They, sometimes they reuse reuse names, but whenever people talk about police abolition, the first response: Well, what do you do about serial killers? And then I, the question you really should ask is: What do cops do about serial killers? Mm-hmm. Because cops are actually not very good at catching people for who do who murder strangers. That's just not who attack strangers. That's just not how cops work. Unless like you live with the person, like there's a probably a, like a ninety percent chance you're going to get away with the murder, more or less. They like, literally do not catch the night stalker. They put his photo out, and then a bunch of guys in yeah. the neighborhood are like, "Isn't that the night stalker?" <laughs> Every, literal community pretty much pollution. every yeah. li- pretty much every serial killer case and then even the FBI profiling unit which in the TV shows are portrayed as mind hunters who get into the minds of the killer and they psychically find him what their advice what his advice every time is put out information to the community they will find this person I tell the right. community about about this person, but the cops don't want to do that because they don't. A lot of times, they don't want to do the work because these investigations are incredibly expensive and incredibly difficult. And if you don't, and if you don't know what you're doing, which is the majority of cops, it, it you get a lot of bad press and a lot of bad attention because people, someone is just going around hurting and murdering people, and nothing is happening because cops aren't actually equipped to do this sort of thing. It's the community that solves like the vast majority of these. Or just physical evidence, which you know is not like a cop doing research or detective work or doing really anything. Yeah. It's just like science. Well, if you listen to true crime shows, it inevitably always gets to this point where they're like, "Well, there was a heyday of serial killing from the 1950s to the 1970s, and then for some reason there was no more serial killing." It's like, yeah, we have fucking cameras, right. DNA. <laughs> you literally yeah. cannot get away with it. Well, it's, well, I think. I th- I, th- I think part of it is 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 is, is a multiple factors. People have been saying it's moved to shooting. People are saying the lead point, the lead, uh, the crime in in general has right. gone down a lot, and people have speculated because we stopped putting lead in our fucking pipes. That's uh, Jake's theory, by the way. I have to give him also why he thinks he, he, Joe he Biden is the way that he is, which is hard to argue yeah. with. Uh, well, Jake thinks Joe Biden is the. Next <laughs> <talking>. <laughs> but there's another great, uh, pretty good uh, Netflix one, the the Ripper. Uh, which takes oh place yeah, in, that's that's what I was talking yeah. about. That's who I, who I meant actually, the Ripper. Right, yeah, yeah, because yeah. in that one, it's it's like uh, someone in Britain is killing sex workers. Oh, so it's just like Jack the Ripper. He must have a thing for sex workers and killing sex workers. Uh, but as it turns out, that's just who is easiest to kill because no one gives a fuck about them. Yeah. Um, and the cops didn't know this stuff. Yeah. The cops like the the cops don't know this stuff. So like this idea that the the cops are are the ones who can protect you from that sort of no they're like absolutely awful at any like the um the guy in california um the golden yeah. state um rapist yes I was who was a cop right who was a cop attacked extremely relevant probably hundred a hundred people over a hundred over a hundred attacks i mean this is all just not even to mention that the fact like we don't have serial killers now but whenever you see a violent crime i'd say like it, it feels like one in five is a cop <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The point where it's like, oh, stop training these people how to kill, and then we'll have less murderers. 
my 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 theory that I, I you need to do a massive study to test was that because of the internet, mo most of these killers are driven by the sense of you know they're they're inadequate, they're isolated, they're extremely misogynistic for the most part. I feel like with the advent of the internet, those people actually just find other people like them and they can talk to them and commiserate when before if you were you would only live in like this solitary world uh, by yourself where you're just building up this world where everybody is against you and you hate everyone and everything is against you. Now you can go on 4chan and you can talk this out openly and people will be like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, yeah. like So that was my kind of theory that we see, might see less serial killers now because these anti people with these anti-social behaviors are just on Twitter harassing right. them instead. Or because they can discuss their theories on Berserk. <laughs> Some of them, though, <laughs> are yes. egged on by the, like, hate that, well, like, Luca Maldonado, who, you know, the the more attention he got from people saying, like, no, don't kill that cat, the more it would, like, oh, influence God. him to, yeah, I won't give away, don't kill, don't fuck with cats, but that's a good series. Uh, Does yeah, he I think kill it, the it, cat? It, You'll have to read about it to find out. Um, uh, um, Leslie brought up I the one part of SVU that I think was the most eye-catching for me, and I had would be remiss not to mention they do almost bring up the cops beating their wives thing for a second. Oh, really? Episode. Oh, I think they do. Yeah, they do mention it. Well, is the husband? Could it be the husband? Well, you know, yeah. It was Stapler because Stapler's gone and then he comes back and there's a second where uh, 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 the captain character, Mariska Hergate, is like, he was gone and he was violent, but I loved him anyway. And it was like... Are we just going to like allude to stuff you didn't even have in the show before? No, right? Because the, we found out about it. Yeah, yeah. The way she talked about him in this episode was very strange because she's never talked about him like that before. She absolutely loved and adored him and was very supportive of him and wanted him and didn't want him to go and leave the force. But now she's kind of like, well, he, you know, he did. He was kind of fucked up, but you know, like that was strange. Like they, they are like rewriting their own history. Yeah, yeah. I know we did 400 episodes together, but uh, in the two seconds off camera, he beat me, and I just didn't want to break. That it actually up. would be a good uh, Law and Order series, just like Law and Order Internal Affairs, like someone trying to actually discipline right. fellow cops and just like running into you know hazards. That will air right after Hate Crimes. Yeah. <laughs> they usually it's do be one the most exciting hour of your day. They usually do one IA episode a year as like a quota. One bad there's one bad cop episode. The bad a apple up. Yeah, there's a bad apple up in every basically every season. One sometimes they do pretty long arcs uh, too, depending on how how they feel. But that that has been a staple. So that was how they covered themselves before, where it's like, oh, this is the cop who beat something. There, I think there's even an episode where Stabler. Where Stabler, yeah, exactly. Where Stabler is <laughs> teaming up with the, with Anthony Anderson. Anthony Anderson. He's teaming with Anthony Anderson, and Anthony Dang Anderson is just too high octane. He's like shelving guys in the lockers and stuff. And Stabler's <laughs> like, hey, man, cool it. We don't do it like that here over at Sex Crimes. What the fuck are you doing, man? Your time in the Outback has changed you, Anthony Anderson. <laughs> well, that, I think, rounds out most of uh, what I wanted to get to for the cop episode. Uh, COVID is over. The violence has returned. We're going to be talking about cops a lot, probably for the next six months. So get excited for that. Uh, the only other thing we wanted to get to, Anders, 
Do you want to like catch the audience up on the Chauvin trial? Yeah, so I've been watching uh, most of the the proceedings. It's uh, it's gonna the closing arguments are on Monday. Um, I don't know how long it's gonna take the jury to deliberate. Uh, but one thing that I've been intrigued by is uh, the witnesses. Um, they have a tactic. I feel like this is a, a sort of an American uh, courtroom go to where you get an expert, especially in medicine who is European. And uh, the prosecution did this quite masterfully. They got this guy who I, practices in Minnesota, but he's from, I don't know, Denmark or someplace like that. And he's just this sweet old man. And if he, like, it accidentally interrupts someone, he'll be like, terribly sorry, terribly sorry. He's, like, super polite to everybody. And they got him. He's from the Minnesota of Europe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, yes, it's it, it's a perfect witness. Uh, for Minnesota, and he was just like, yeah, th this happened because of Chauvin's uh, knee on the neck. There's no other way around it. But then the defense gets, they have their witnesses this week, and one of the guys they drag up is uh, one David Fowler, um, who comes from uh, Maryland. He was the, the chief medical examiner for the state of Maryland, and his argument is basically that... Uh, George Floyd died for from any number of things, uh, none of which were Derek Chauvin's knee. Uh, and he goes out of his way to say, like, well, it, it could have been carbon monoxide um, because he was right next to a tailpipe. How? How could it have been carbon monoxide? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> He's outside. <laughs> well, his argument is it was right next to a tailpipe. And so the prosecution, Blackwell, did a great job, like, nailing him down on this. It was like, okay, was the car on? And he's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, and that, that's the thing to, to, that struck me about it. It was because they get this guy, he sounds, to an American such as myself, I was like, I guess he's British? I was like, no, no, that's, that sounds kind of Australian. Uh, and this is a guy who, when he was the chief medical examiner of Maryland, has, has basically done the same exact thing uh, for the Freddie Gray case. He did the same, very similar uh, for Ant Anton Black, who was a 19-year-old who died a couple, was killed a couple years ago by a knee on the neck from a cop, and he did the same exact thing. He even was complicit in like manipulating evidence uh, and got sued for it. Um, and then he retired, and now he's a witness for a case in Minnesota, uh, an expert witness. He gets, and they got him to admit, "I'm part of a business that I do this for a living." Um, and I was thinking, I was wondering, like, where's this guy's accent from? It's like kind of sounds British, kind of sounds Australian. Then I look him up, and what do you know? He is a white South African. Uh, big surprise. Convict now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's what the defense is kind of trying to rest on. Is they got this like probably pro-apartheid uh, South African guy who's been a <laughs> medical examiner and he's trying to convince people that it didn't have anything to do with Derek Chauvin. He's saying like, well, his weight is only 140 pounds. Okay. They ask him, uh, did you take into account the Kevlar vest and all the guns and shit he was wearing? Did you factor that into the weight? And he was like, I no, I did not. Uh, oh no, I was just hoping I could be racist. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it works at home. Yeah. I just don't know how. Uh, I don't know how Chauvin is is going to get off with this, but they are preparing in Minnesota. It seems like, it feels like, 
last year they just didn't expect this to happen, right? There's a pandemic going on. Uh, there's another police killing, and all of a sudden, um, people are burning down the police precinct, and that starts a precedent for people in America who are seeing this and thinking like, "Oh, we could just do that." Holy shit! Uh, so now they're already dispatching the National Guard because of Dante Wright uh, to Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, and they're like stopping people at gas stations, and they're just like getting ready, and they want to just like be preempt, pre basically do a preemptive strike on anyone who's going to protest uh, what could be a not guilty verdict. Um, so it's it's going to be pretty brutal. Uh, I mean. It's April, it's, folks. Yeah, it's something about it's something there. about spring. It's not even hot. I yet. don't know what it is, but this time it's weird that this is happening two years in a row, where in like spring, all of a sudden, like cops just get. I don't know if we're we're filming it more, noticing it more this time of month or time of year, but the the cops are doing more killing and assaulting uh, in the spring uh, during COVID. It's it's strange how that happens two years in a row, uh, but I think they are bracing for a serious riot although i mean if i had to guess i don't think chauvin is going to get off so i don't know what's going to happen then but it'll be it'll be interesting to see it is fun to just remember that the world of law and order makes more sense than the one we actually live in and uh, i have no idea how this is going to end so keep we'll keep checking back in on that (laughs) and uh yeah that's the it's the high note at the end of the episode. Uh, Leslie, thanks for coming on. Where can our listeners find you? Oh, uh, you're a star. Thank you so much. You can find me on Struggle Session, patreon.com slash struggle session, or sesh.plus. Nice. I'll see you on sesh.plus. I'm on Twitter at Patak Jokes. I'm thinking about changing my name. I haven't done stand-up in like a year. I think I might be Patak Poems. <laughs> I might go back to Patak Test Kitchen where I'm whipping up all my hot recipes in the test kitchen. Send me, send me your recommendations. Who knows what the name's going to be? Anders, what about you? Uh, at Anders Lee here on Twitter. Check out uh, my other job at Redacted Tonight. You can watch on YouTube or Portable.tv. And uh, I'm going to send something to, to that we'll link to in the show notes about how you can um, help get food to, to people in Brooklyn Center. Because uh, they need help right now. We'll put that in there. Bum bum. Hell yeah, baby. That's us for another week. It's finished. It's finished.